kick it off? Yeah, let's kick it off, man. Let's get back in there. Yeah. Talk about it. All right. I'm well, excited. Uh, welcome back to the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast. Yes. My name is Matt Pfeiffer, my co-host. Co-host. Kevin Miner. Uh, with us today is Kenny Baker, roaster of Ethnos Coffee in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, super nice to meet you, Kenny. I've heard a lot about you. Uh, people are probably familiar with Ethnos Coffee mm-hmm. primarily uh, through the creation and the genesis of Coffee Black's Guji Main. How you doing, man? Yeah, doing great. Good Sunday afternoon. I've had like four cups of coffee already, so I'm I'm good to go. <laughs> I'm on number two. Nice. But yeah, me too. Hey, me too. Two's good. I made the first cup for the yeah. wifey. She was super stoked about that. Nice. Second cup for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I came into the Fiverr household today, Kenny. I came into a Zen space today. <laughs> I was told on my way in. Yeah, we're so, in Zen mode. Yeah, the uh, so we live we live in upstate New York, a uh, couple probably three hours from the Canadian border. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty snowy out there today. We got a little bit of a snow, and mm-hmm. it's not it's not a significant event when we get snow. It just happens all the time. So like, the snow was coming down. I said to Kevin, like, hey, you know. Feel free to just like dial in via Skype if you don't want to drive down here because it's kind of snowy. The highway already might halfway be. Here. You're already halfway here, and so I call him, and he's screaming. He's on the phone. He's like, "I'd be fine, except this guy, the BMW and okay. the fast lane." No, I'm like, Kevin, out. <laughs> hold on. I'm like, Kevin, I love that energy. Put it in your pocket because <laughs> when you walk in the Pfeiffer household. It's Zen. Okay. Okay. And then bring it back out when we're in the podcast. Did I not dude. raise a good point though, Kenny? Hear me out on this. I'm. I'm coming down here. I'm. It's snowing, and snow usually means people drive a little bit slower on the highway. I have to drive two exits on the highway to get down to where Matt lives. I'm behind an Audi with an all-wheel drive package, luxury sport edition. And this guy, somewhere between exits 18 and 17, decides he's going to drop from 70, which is like a moderate cruising speed in the snow. Like there's it, there's no crazy amounts of snow on the road yet to 50 over the course of like five seconds, which is just like I just I was like, really, you're the reason that there are accidents in the snow, like not the snow right now. This dude who I'm behind in the Audi, I'm like, you should turn in your car. You 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 bought a car with all the prerequisites for driving better than everyone else in the snow. You have an all-wheel drive package, luxury sport edition. I'm sure you got nice tires on there. That's an Audi, man. It's a yeah. good car. It looked crisp. But you're driving it like you've got like a sedan with front-wheel drive. Right. And a bunch of weight in the back. Yeah. <laughs> like, He's driving like a southerner. If it rains hard here, people drive 20 miles an hour. <laughs> like hard rain. So what's a lot of snow for y'all? Is that like over or under three feet? <laughs> uh, over would finally be a lot, I'd say. Like yeah. two, two to three, we're approaching what feels like a lot up north. I don't know. How do you feel down here? It's uh, two different worlds between these two exits, by right? Because so you know, yeah, because because where he is, even just two exits north of me, he's like right at the foothills of the Adirondack Mountains. It's a nice mountain range, yeah. uh, that that stretches through New York State, right? The whole Adirondack Park, and that yeah. gets a little higher in elevation. You get a little more snow. I feel like the the we we got. One snowstorm was the first one. I think it was like a uh, November or December, mm-hmm. where we got two to three feet like fast, like December. within within a half day. It was like poof, there. Yeah, real quick. Um, that's a lot of snow. That is a lot of snow. Yeah, I'd agree. We cancel schools if the snow sticks to the ground. At all? At all? Oh uh, well, that makes sense. You guys don't buy like snow tires, right? 
Oh, no. No, of course. Why would you? Because you get it like maybe once and you cancel school. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. don't even have snow equipment here. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's an infrastructure problem. Yeah. You know? <laughs> That's tight. All right. Kenny, uh, the question inaugural that we asked, the inaugural question, this is the question we ask all of our guests right off the bat to kind of set the tone for the conversation, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, a series of three. Who are you? How are you? And what do you do? Okay. Um, wow. Not everybody asks, how are you? Right? It's like when they say, everybody asks, where's Waldo? But nobody asks, how's Waldo? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. Wow, that is a good one. <laughs> That's a whole other book series. Oh, that fucks me up, one. man. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's got wanderlust. You know, he probably comes <laughs> home and feels bored. He's constantly around tons of people. How is Waldo? I mean, twenty twenty, rough year for Waldo. <laughs> God, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, Kenny Baker, uh, born and raised in Memphis. Um, Man, I lived in Chicago the past seven years, which is where I really kind of got into coffee um, more and more. I lived in Louisville for like a couple of months and went to a spot called Quills back in like 2011. And when I moved to Chicago, I was like, man, I wonder if they have any good coffee here. Um, And so so then I I hop on the train and pretty much every exit you can get specialty coffee. So um uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm a, I'm a guy who's kind of lived in a few different cities and states, love different cultures. I've, uh, even though I'm a, uh, white guy with a, you know, beard, um, I, most places I've been, I've been the minority. So growing up in Memphis, you know, in different schools and neighborhoods, stuff like that, I was more the minority. So I've just, I really love, um, other cultures and so uh that's just something i've been passionate about um but a couple hobbies are like you know coffee and cigars and the nba stuff like that um that's that's kind of me in a nutshell uh so to speak got uh three beautiful kids a wife i've been married to for 12 years which has uh been fantastic so um how am i uh, it, it was a rough, busy week, man. It was, uh, you know, busyness is good in one sense that like, Hey, we, I got a job and I got stuff to do, but it, it's really tough in another sense. And in, in that you can't always take care of yourself when you run your own business. So man, I'm, if I'm honest, I'm surviving in, in much of this. So, uh, but, uh, Sundays are a good refresher for me. We get together with some people and, um, you know, just slow it down and spend time with family. So doing good today. And, uh, and then what was the last question? What do I do? Yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, I, I've been a pastor actually for 15 years, uh, worked with teenagers and stuff like that. Uh, then now I, I am planting a house church out of our house. Um, so I've been doing that for a long time, but, um, the majority of my time goes to running a coffee business that was never meant to be a business. Um, it's a, I run a coffee business called Ethnos Coffee. It was meant to be a side hustle to help me get groceries. Um, yeah, and then, yeah. <laughs> and then I did a collaboration with Coffee Black. Uh, we dropped Gucci Mane and, um, I, it's just been kind of taken off ever since. And, 
So we've added a bunch of different collaborations since then. And uh, so now I just feel like I just try to keep up with the coffee demand uh, around town and all that. Wow. What a great problem to have, you know? And yeah. you don't, anytime you, you walk into a, a, you know, an opportunity in your life, you don't necessarily know how it's going to turn out. There's some expectation mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, you, you, for you, I, I did a little bit of uh, reading ahead and it seemed like, yeah, like for you, you know, you took a hundred dollars and you bought yourself some green coffee and you got to like this point where you're like, okay, yeah, I'm just going to like you know, roast this coffee, sell it on the side and make a little extra money for groceries, you mm-hmm. know, just to get by. Um, and then the people that you meet along the way that mm-hmm. just push you, like shoot you off into a completely different trajectory, like Bartholomew, uh, for you is, yeah, that, that's such an amazing story. I can't wait to like kind of dig into that. Um, are you, uh, so you said you've been working on this, um, home church. Is that, what is that like? Are you, uh, are, are you, I'm assuming, so Sundays are probably, uh, you know, uh, church days for you as well. Are you, um, are you actively giving, uh, sermons on Sundays or is it passive for you right now? Yeah. So we, um, man, I've been, I've been a pastor in large church, small church, like, uh, 3,500 people in Chicago, you know, 88 people in central Texas. Um, but what we've kind of always done is, is built a service and people come to it. And then we try to keep getting them to come back. And then we tell them to bring people with them. But, um, so when I went to go plant a new church, uh, which I'm not a typical pastor, uh, I don't, I, you know, I'm broken. I have a lot of need. Um, you know, for saving and all that. I'm not better than anyone else. Uh, I smoke cigars and drink bourbon. So, um, you know, a little different, especially down south. Um, But one of the things I wanted to do was build a multi-ethnic church. So a church, uh, the first time I ever um, was not a minority and I was with people who look like me was at church. Uh, So my neighborhood, you know, it was me in like a black neighborhood, a black school, and I went to church and there was a bunch of white people and it, it didn't sit right with me, uh, knowing that our city is so diverse. And so I've just always had a passion to get different cultures together uh, in community. And I just think we have a lot more in common, a lot more to learn from each other. So that was my vision for the church at first was to build this huge like multi-ethnic gathering where you see a bunch of different cultures and languages represented. Um and uh, COVID hit. And so, uh, you know, I had to ask myself, like, well, so do we not do this, you know, because COVID or do is this something we still do? Um, and so we just changed the method, uh, not the mission. Um, and now we just gather a few people around the house, try to keep it safe. People wear masks when they feel comfortable to do so. And, um, you know, it's just like a small gathering and uh, we try to do good in our neighborhoods and in the hood. So um, that's kind of uh, where I'm at. So what we do is just sit around, uh, talk about the Bible, what Jesus really teaches. Because I don't think Fox News represents all of who Jesus is. Uh, <laughs> I would certainly uh, hope not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we just dig in, you know, uh, like today we talked about loving your enemies. You know, and so uh, stuff like that is so it's more like a uh, Bible study and taking care of people and and getting in their lives as opposed to me standing up and, you know, 
preaching at people. Um, though I love preaching. So that's kind of what it looks like right now um, is building a community of people who care for one another. Yeah. Can, uh, I just have, I have, I got to say, it's <laughs> the coffee industry, and I've only been a part of it for two or three years, not even three years, right? Uh, the coffee industry is comprised of like the most caring and like community centric folks that I have ever met in my entire life. Do you, do you find that too? That like the people that you have met through coffee are somehow like just so much more selfless than Mm. other, than, than other industries. And I'm not calling out any industries in particular, but just like looking at these people that I've met, like, do you find that too? I found coffee is a great vehicle into culture and community and building relationships. So like, I think a lot of people use coffee as, you know, a vehicle for those things. Um, so I've met people who hate what I believe, but we have coffee in common. And so they love me. Right. And the same. And I've told people like, here, look, here's who I am. Um, you know, anytime you tell people you're a pastor, they want to like stop cussing or say something different. I'm like, just, just be you. Like it doesn't bother me. Uh, I didn't grow up in church. I'm not sheltered. I've seen a lot of life. Uh, so this isn't something I just kind of grew up indoctrinated with. Um, but in coffee, I have found, honestly, man, I am surprised at the pursuit of ethics in coffee. Because I always ask myself, like, well, I know why I, with faith, um, you know, have, you know, this, I pursue this particular ethic. But people who are just thinking through coffee and coffee culture and money, like, man, what did they benefit from taking care of the farmers? Wouldn't it benefit them more to, you know, get as much as they can out of the, out of the, you know, uh, profit loss sheet so I, I agree with you man coffee's like this special industry where people really value community and there's an ethic to it to do better you know in the community and the world so i'm with you on that yeah well and look at just two weeks ago we had carlos sims jr yep. on here also a pastor also a pastor yeah starting he's going to hawaii and he's yeah. carrying his faith and his coffee business with him yeah yeah and mark cunningham also extremely uh, prolifically yeah. uh, uh, spiritual. Yes. And actually, the person who we were connected to Carlos and Kenny through. Yes. Even though we had Bartholomew on the podcast last year, yes. we weren't connected to Kenny until we talked to Mark. Yeah. Kenny, thoughts on Mark? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the homie, man. I think, uh, I think he really cares for people. I think he... Um, you know, he, he's really figured out a cool niche for himself uh, where he's like created this table to build relationships, uh, especially like among roasters. We like get on Zoom calls every now and again and drink bourbon together. And, oh, nice. Uh, you know, I do have one problem with Mark is uh, <laughs> hot take, bro. Th- he's so Canadian. Like, uh, <laughs> well, you're so yes. You live so far in the south that yeah, he must just be, he must be so Canadian because like we're so close to the border that well, like he's in Chicago. He's uh, well, no, he was in Chicago. Oh, okay. He's in you're you're in um, 
You're in uh, uh, Memphis. Oh, he's in Memphis. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> I almost said Nashville, but that's our friend Chad lives in Nashville. Yes. Shout out to Chad. Shout out, uh, Chad. Uh, no, but like living so close to the Canadian border, <laughs> Mark is just like the perfect like uh, he, he's he, oh God, he's he's the perfect amount of Canadian. He's nice. That's all it is. Yeah. I mean, it, when we say that kind of stuff, it's like a positive stereotype. Right? Oh yeah, like it's like it's like man, they're so Canadian. It just means that they're more courteous than we are because yeah. we come from America. <laughs> Yeah, he just always talks to me in Celsius and Mills, and I'm just oh. like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. Hot take. Ready? Uh, metric system or imperial system, if you had to have one global system? Metric. Oh, metric. All day. Okay. Thank like, you. Okay. It's so much easier when I see, like, uh, Jane, uh, Hoffman. When, when I see Hoffman, he's like, you know, this many mills and this many grams, mm-hmm. something like Yo, that just it seems so much easier. It is. Because uh, I'm over here trying to convert grams to ounces to pounds and trying to explain <laughs> stuff to people. And, bro, it's just it's so confusing. Well, and the worst part is if you get into using any sort of volume metrics, like it, a lot of it switches over to metric by default. Yeah. On, in bottling, you know? Yeah. Like cans, typically you can get ounces as well. But a lot of times you find yourself running into, you know, milliliter, like 375 milliliters. Mm, That's yeah. a standard measurement for pints, basically. Right. Yeah. Like, but we we would have to call that a pint. And then people ask what it is in ounces. And you're like, oh, God. It's really? like almost 16. Come on. Like, yeah. yeah the, you know what drives me crazy is that we, we measure, uh, we, we often price out coffee in dollars per pound. Yes. But then all of our bags are 12 ounce bags. Yes. Or 340 grams. Yes. And you just, you know. You know why though, right? You know why it's 12 ounces and not a pound. Why is that? Shipping. Uh, the oh, Under yeah. a pound. The shipping industry, like it changes once you hit a pound. Like mm-hmm. for commercial oh, yeah. shipping yeah. and all that. So nobody's told me that, but I noticed that when I shipped stuff, like the pound was like the threshold. Yep. So I was like, well, I think they did this to save on shipping. Well, and they got not only that in shipping, you go up to the next minimum size package, and that's that's what it's all based on. It's all based on like how much you're going to be able to stuff into the package that fits the weight above a pound. Right. Yeah. Between that and then, I mean, if you want to get, uh, if you want to give a little, you could say, well, the, the smaller package sizes means that, you know, uh, you're not wasting coffee, right? Like mm-hmm. you're getting, your coffee is more often fresh, so you're buying in mm-hmm. smaller quantities. That's why people are pushing for even 10 ounce bags. I don't know if you've seen that, Kenny, but like you've seen a lot more places do like 10 ounce bags or eight ounce bags. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Oh, well it's because you're buying more frequently, but it's cheaper for you and your coffee's fresher. And I'm like, uh, all right. And as soon as you grind coffee, 12 ounces of coffee into a, a 16 ounce bag, a bag that can fit a pound, you're almost filling up that bag anyway. Uh, the, the ground coffee. As soon dilemma. as you grind it, it's almost filling that bag and you kind of have to like tamp it, like mm-hmm. hand tamp it down, you know, like shake tamp it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kenny, I want to know uh, what what that transition period was like. You said you started off this um, this whole venture of yours, roasting coffee on the side just to make a couple of bucks, you know, to help out with the with the bills. Um, where I, tell us about how you linked up with Coffee Black, 
what the process of that whole kind of like collaboration was. And then I really want to get into like what it's like now and how you're managing it now. But let's start with like initiating that relationship. What was that like? How did you meet uh, Bartholomew? Yeah, so I have a friend who's a rapper in Chicago. His name is Stevener uh, Gaskin. Uh, he used to be a rapper uh, called Stevie G. Uh, so he's a coffee drinker, a good friend of mine. Uh, so when I started roasting coffee, uh, I sent a bunch of friends in Chicago, some samples up there and I had this Ethiopian Guji that was incredible. It just tasted like straight raspberries. Um, so sent it up there. He posted it on his Instagram and, uh, Bartholomew Jones follows him, uh, because of the whole hip hop and, uh, Wheaton connection that they had. And so when he posted it, uh, Bart hit him up and was like, yo, it's a rapper drinking coffee. I didn't, you know, I thought I was the only one. Yo, where'd you get that coffee? Um, and he was like, oh, it's a friend of mine in Memphis who roasts his own coffee. And Bart was like, yo, I'm in Memphis. So we linked up over Instagram. Uh, and if you know Bart at all, you don't get his phone number for like four months he sends you like voice memos through Instagram. Like we were collabing and at this point, like friends and he had been over to my house after all this, I was like, bro, can you just give me your number? So I don't have to check Instagram every time I'm trying to get in touch with you. Um, but that's kind of how we linked up. Uh, I let him, I just brought him a bag of the coffee. Uh, he loved it. We started connecting, talking over coffee and then he told me about this idea he had for Guji Main. Um, and at this time, like most of my clientele was like white suburban, um, a very, you know, very conservative type clientele. Um, and when he told me about that, I was like, yo, that's like, that's kind of what we're about. Uh, ethnos is the Greek word for nations, where we get ethnicity from. So the whole idea was to connect uh, people uh, across cultures around tables. Um, and so when he told me about Guji man, I was like, man, we got to do this. Like I'll roast my Ethiopian Guji. We'll put your branding and your message on there. Uh, because the black community needs to reclaim coffee for their community. And I'm a hundred percent for that. Uh, and we can even use the Guji I have cause it's good. Um, so, and I told him, I was like, bro, I'm going to lose a lot of customers because I, I just, this is a very pro-black message, but I'm for it and I'm willing to lose those customers because this more lines up with who we're trying to be anyways. Um, so we, uh, we linked up, he gave me the, the branding, I ordered some bags and then we dropped the uh, coffee. He did this whole hip hop event. I roasted all this coffee. Uh, which at the time I did 25 bags, which was insane for me. You know, I was in like yeah. one bag a week. Um, we did 25 bags and this dope shop called Comeback Coffee. Um, uh, they hosted it, you know, let us do the thing there. And then uh, he was actually going to um, move around to a bunch of different roasters with Guji Main, mm -hmm. and people kept buying it. So it was like, well, well, let's just keep it going. Like we were both just trying to take care of our families. So let's just keep going. And it never slowed down. Uh, so we just kept going with Guji Main. And that like that's 
that's pretty much how that went, you know, uh, is the, the whole community supported it to the point where we couldn't stop. That's one that's super dope. And we, it's cool to hear the other side of that story too. Cause we've heard it from Bartholomew. Yeah. And so hearing like, I, I was going to make the joker like earlier that like, you know, last year we had, we had the Guji this year. We got the main on the podcast, you know, like, that's, that's how we did it. We did it in the right order too. But uh, like, uh, I, I really want to, I kind of want to get into this. We don't have to talk about it that much, but I really wanted to ask. Um, so you said that you predicted you would lose some clientele from doing this project. Uh, did that happen as you predicted? Was it a little bit bittersweet? Like, was it, was it kind of no surprises there? Like you were like, well, I'm doing this project and then you lost like the clientele that you thought you would lose or was, were there maybe some nice surprises in there where there were people who were kind of like, Hey man, I really like what you're doing there. Yeah, actually, um, it was more of a nice surprise. Uh, people were like, I don't get it, but that's cool that you're doing. That's great though. Yeah. I thought I was going to get a, uh, like a backlash. So I thought when we dropped this coffee that was very pro black, that it was like, well, what about this coffee? You know, and honestly, that didn't happen. It was more like, well, I don't really get that, but cool that you're doing that. Like, way to go. So, yeah, there was no backlash. Uh, That's so refreshing to hear, man. That that is a that is a positive first step, because like we like you said like you might expect people to lash out and feel defensive but the fact that people admitted number one that they didn't understand it but that they accepted it and supported you anyways is super super important because that is the first step to people learning and unlearning these sort of um prejudices that they've grown yeah up with you know yeah and that that kind of goes back to what you were talking about earlier too. Like that, that nice surprise, like maybe that's just like, like, like you were saying, you might expect that backlash, but you didn't get it in coffee. Mm. You know, you were talking about earlier, you kind of find people who tend to lean into the ethics a little more in coffee to actually care about that a little more. And so maybe that's part of the reason why, like those people, even though they're conservative, they're like, Oh, well, you know, I am part of like coffee and I've got more of an open ear. I, don't you guys find it like really? I, I, I first off, I love your name. Don't you guys find it really interesting how the word we use for ethical treatment, the the root word ethics, ethica, come comes in a very similar form. Actually, only two letters away from ethnos. Like the Greek root words were so closely entangled because those concepts of treating people across the board equally and having a nation of people they actually were under the same idea of like unity and ethics yeah like ethics and ethnos ethikos and ethnos come from the same place in greek times because they were like this is our nation we have to treat everybody the right way yeah yeah 100 percent. that makes me love the name even more yeah that was very you should write that down and then we'll send that to you, Ken. That was <laughs> that was tight. It's going on the website. All right. All right. Sweet. <laughs> um, uh, I I have a I have a follow up question too. So you you were kind of walking through the story of you know of Guji Main's um, origins. Uh, the the growth period was very very rapid. It sounds like you were roasting up some coffee. Uh, on your own, you linked up with Bart. You got you guys got talking about what this project would look like. Um, 
I don't know exactly what, you know, the, the amount of time that went by was, but like, what were you roasting on at that time? You know, how big was your roaster? Was it yours or were you renting it out? What was that whole period like? Yeah. So I started on a B-more, which would let me roast, you know, 12 ounces at a time. Uh, And then whenever, after probably two or three months, I was like, you know, I think this could be a thing. I need a bigger roaster. Um, I got the Artisan 3E, so I could do three pounds at a time. And so I roasted on that for over a year, um, including this past June when we had probably 2,000 pounds of Gucci Mane that got bought after the whole George Floyd thing. So legit, I didn't see my family for a month. I just roasted like 12 hours a day, you know, the entire month. Um, yeah, so I own the Artisan 3E, uh, three pounds at a time. Uh, so we were doing Guji Main for a year before like this massive growth. Like when he, when he dropped a love black people, like you love black coffee shirt, that's where it went transcended to like another level, uh, because Sprudge picked it up and then all these magazines and, um, and then I, so we're doing a thousand to 2000 pounds a month. I was like, bro, I can't like, I'm not going to live if we keep doing this. So we got a, a 10 pound roaster. Um, nice. and so that's what I'm on now. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, that's not enough. We got to do more. If Loring ever wants to sponsor, uh, something like this, just yeah, you know, yeah. they can send me one. We'll drop that right <laughs> uh, now. Loring, hints, hints, Loring, if you're <laughs> listening, <laughs> yeah, if you want to support the culture and be ethical for ethnos, Woo! yeah, it's a great look for we're, you, Loring. Just saying, I'll, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna send them this podcast. <laughs> we're gonna tag them in the in the show notes right here with this minute marker, yeah. and like every, just be like, just be like, hey, maybe help a brother out. Like, yeah. do, do your thing, <laughs> right. Right. What's what's eighty thousand to y'all? It's, it's nothing. Come I, on. I know. Hopefully, it's a lot bad. to us. It's not a lot to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So so you got moving and things went pretty much vertical for you. You know, you, it went. Uh, uh, what's the word? I'm a super linear. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> what's so? What's been on your plate now? Are you? Uh, are because you, you ethnos roasters. Ethnos coffee roasters are their own thing. You're not only just roasting Guji, I assume. You also have stuff going on in your own site. What's that like? What do you, what do you got going on there? Yeah, so uh, what a lot of people don't know is Coffee Black and Ethnos Coffee are two separate entities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bartholomew Jones owns Coffee Black. Kenny Baker owns Ethnos Coffee. And so we collaborate on Guji Main. But when we started, I told him, I say, you want to keep the ownership of Coffee Black and of Guji Mane. Like, I'm not going to take any ownership. I'm not going to take a percentage. Uh, in fact, if you collaborate with anybody else, make sure they don't try to own any of your stuff. Uh, so that's that's how I see collaboration is like a mutual beneficial partnership. Um, so for Ethnos Coffee, you know, we, we do single origin stuff. I have a, a Congo right now, which is uh, really incredible. Um, I got an Ethiopian Guji Hambella that I'm about to drop um, maybe next week, actually. Uh, that's really good. 
Um, and then I have this signature roast called Honey Gold. It's a honey processed Costa Rican coffee. Um, honey Gold is actually a flavor of hot wing in Memphis. Uh, <laughs> oh, and that's it's incredible. If you ever come to Memphis, you have to get Honey Gold hot wings. Okay, so, okay. You, yeah, you can go to Wing Guru, Ching's, Central Barbecue. Just say Honey Gold. They'll know what you're talking about. So we dropped a sweet coffee honey processed coffee called it honey gold that'll be like our our version of like hairbender you know or black mm-hmm. cat or whatever um so honey gold's our staple um so we'll drop single origins and then i have s- at least six collaborations dropping hopefully over the next like couple of months so uh collaboration is a big part of what we like to do um i just i I think it's one thing for a coffee brand to build their own brand through the coffees they release. And then I think it's another thing to build other people's brands uh, as well as your own. Uh, So we collabed with a a guy, Joseph Boyd. He's an artist here in Memphis. I went to high school with him. He's got a brand called Flight of Fancy. Uh, He makes incredible apparel, murals, art. So we, I was like, bro, let's put your art on a bag and put some good coffee in it and drop it, and you get exposure in marketing, and I have coffee. This episode is brought to you by your friends at Upstate Coffee Collective and our local community. We've decided that in 2021, we're going to do things differently. We want to be intentional with our ad roll, either letting you know about something we feel very strongly about or nothing at all. Starting now, our podcast will be completely unmonetized. We will not be taking any money from advertisers unless it is something that we truly, truly believe in. And right now, we don't see uh, any opportunities like that. So we're going to keep this podcast completely unmonetized. Now, we will take a moment each week to plug whatever it is we at the collective are working on behind the scenes. But we want to ensure that we stay true to our values and that we continue to serve as a hub for our community to listen along as we make valuable human connections and learn to become better listeners and better storytellers. If you love this podcast and you want to see it grow, consider leaving a positive rating or a review uh, and be sure you're subscribed so that you're notified of each new episode that comes out every Monday morning. Listeners of this podcast get a unique discount code that saves 10% off our first and only flagship coffee all day ADK, which we're super proud of. And we want you to have the opportunity to share in that with us. So uh, if you use the code podcast at checkout, you'll save 10% off of your entire purchase. And we super appreciate you and we love you. And thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. Yeah, man, we're, it's crazy. We're cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. what we're what we're doing and what we aspire to do is uh, very much in line with with what you're saying. We want to lift people up. We want to shine mm-hmm. a spotlight on other coffee companies, other and not just coffee companies, right? Like people, creatives, entrepreneurs, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you name it. What we have been doing is. Um, we believe that the capital region of, of, of New York, which is, you know, upstate region, it's basically from Albany, the capital of the state of New York, 
north to the Adirondacks and all the way up to the border. That is like a, a, an area of our state that's like just like prime for specialty to grow. And mm-hmm. it has made significant progress. We've got really great coffee that comes from this area. Big time. Um, but we want to uh, bridge the gap between people who are comfortable with second wave coffee, uh, who are, I'll say, intimidated by the idea of third wave coffee or fourth wave coffee mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and future so, wave future, so what we so what we did uh, post during COVID was like many people, we had to do some sort of a pivot because we couldn't mm-hmm. meet in person. But uh, we're just trying to make genuine human connection uh, more available to people. So mm. w- without the access to uh, bringing people physically together, we started highlighting coffee roasters around our region because we don't yet roast our own coffee. Um, so what we would do is we would link up with some of our homies in Albany or Boston Spa or all these little cities around us and say, like, what's your like what coffee are you like offering right now or you've always wanted to offer that like really, really gets you stoked? And then we'll buy up a bunch of those coffees. So it's like a guaranteed sale for them. And we'll drop those coffees with um, little informational cards. And anyways, the whole idea, though, is collaboration uh, over competition, which is a phrase I keep hearing over and over again. Um, and finally, the other, the other parallel I want to draw is your collaboration with Coffee Black with Guji Main. Um, we're doing a collaboration with our friend Nick, uh, at Knockabout Roasters. Mm-hmm. He's roasting our coffee called All Day ADK and it's that, that blend that bridges the gap. So, uh, I, I'm super appreciative of what you're doing and feel it like to my core. Like I feel like, yeah. uh, we could both learn a lot of really great uh, lessons from one another. So that's, that's real cool. Yeah, I, man, there's just something about two people pushing the same thing that makes it go further. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't have to push so hard to get my brand out there when I have other companies and individuals um, promoting me. But also, like, you know, it's something to be like, hey, buy my coffee. My coffee's so great. There's something I would rather do, which is like, hey, a guy I went to high school with is an incredible artist, Flight of Fancy. Um, We have this Flight of Fancy coffee. But really what I want you to do, sure, get the coffee, go buy his shirts, go buy his jackets. Mm -hmm. And so he, I talked to him and I asked him, so man, how's business been since we've done the coffee? And he was like, oh, bro, like paintings and apparel have like flown out the door. I was like, man, that's what we were going for. And we like we don't get any kind of cut from his sales. Um, we just want to benefit his business. Yeah. Um, and we yeah. benefit because you have multiple people coming and pushing the same thing. So that, you know, collaboration, I think, is the future of coffee. I think competition competition has two small entities trying to kill each other and neither survive. But Starbucks survives. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So for me, I tell people in Memphis, I need all the Memphis roasters to succeed. I don't necessarily, I'm not like a Starbucks hater. I don't, that's how most of us got into coffee and all that. Um, but I would much rather see ver- Vice and Virtue, you know, and Dr. Beans and these other local roasters like Boycott Coffee. 
Um, I, I would rather see them do really well in the city because they're trying to feed their family. And then let Starbucks go to certain places where, like, there's not an infrastructure for small coffee roasters. Like, so I tell them they're not my competition. Like, I want them to, to win. Like, it's a $200 billion industry. We can all eat. Dude, that is absolutely the way to approach it. First off, shout out to you for like being that open and upfront with people about that, especially with Bartholomew and just being like, don't let other people own your stuff. I don't want any share in Guji Main. I'm your roaster. Like that's such a really, that's such a forward thinking method of like, not just, I don't want to call it promotion, but just like it's collaboration. That's what it is. It is the future. Like it's, it's saying, Hey, I want you to succeed because that's how we can help each other to succeed is if you're successful. Like if I succeed more than you, uh, then we're setting a metric. Like we're set, we're setting competition for ourselves and, or possibly setting ourselves up for failure in the future. You know? So I, dude, I love that you're doing that. And I, the other thing that I really like that I said this when Bartholomew was on the podcast, it's the mixtape approach, man. Like you're just, you're coming at it and you're like, how can we all throw our elements in here and make something that everybody wants to listen to and get down to, you know, like that's what it is. Like that's, that's the essence of the mixtape. Like it's an artist saying, Hey, I'm really not going to push this out through like Sony BMG and Island records. I'm just going to put this on like a website, like ear milk or something and let a bunch of people download it for free. And we got all my friends on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we have those collabs like flight of fancy uh i have a collab with a local cigar lounge here called smokers abbey uh we we made a coffee uh it's like a blend of uh in uh sumatra and guatemala and it's supposed to pair well with a cigar um and then uh red willow is a collab that i'm extremely proud of we i partnered with a guy he owns a um a record label and a management company called moon artists Okay. And his name is Michael Luna. Um, he manages uh, Xavier Omar. I don't know if you've ever heard his oh, music. Dude, I love Xavier Omar. Yeah, it's incredible. So Mike Luna is his manager, um, and that's who I collab with for Red Willow. And it puts on his uh, indigenous culture, uh, the Red Willow people with Taos Pueblo in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um and so what we do is like we got this natural Guatemalan coffee directly from the producers uh, in Guatemala, and we sell the bag. You get 12 ounces, 25 bucks, but five dollars of every bag goes to a youth council in Chicago that works with indigenous teenagers, helping them, you know, uh, honor their cultural identity and stuff like that. So. It's stuff like that that, like, I had a vision for. I never thought I would be able to do it this soon. You yeah, know, so yeah. we, we just collaborate with people we know, with our friends. We don't go and go, okay, now I need, like, a Latino thing. It's like, well, if I if I have friends who are Latino uh, and, you know, I find a way I can support them, then that's what I'll do. You know, but there is a danger for like white owned companies to say, all right, let me kind of brand grab the minority brand right now. And it makes us look good. And so we try not to do that. We're very aware of that. But we do want to put on people of other cultures to, you know, really bring them success, to be honest. Yeah, that's a hard line to toe because you uh, you want to you want to, you know, it. Everything that we're doing, I mean, at least us in this room, is in good faith, right? Like, we're doing it because of the right reasons. 
Um, intentional. In, right. Intentional. But it, it is very easy to be smart. Uh, it's very easy for a smart person to see that they can take advantage of a situation mm-hmm. to make money. And like, I mean, a perfect example is like, you know, Gucci Mane was already in production yep. um, when George Floyd was killed. And, and, and that the social consequences of George Floyd's murder launched this whole you know the it launched black lives matter into the spotlight into the mainstream mm-hmm. and then a lot of white people were like oh like they had a reckoning where they're like i there's a lot that i need to like relearn mm-hmm. a lot that i need to learn and so because of that the market in general turned its attention to non-white uh businesses to to show their support and yep. it's again mostly in good faith but i completely understand the, that there's this kind of line you have to tell where you have to remember that you need to be doing it for the right reasons and that people don't perceive you as trying to take advantage of a situation mm-hmm. so yeah and here's what i would say about that like i think it's good especially for white-owned companies to make that effort right you got to start somewhere um I would say where it becomes uh, dangerous is where it becomes a brand grab to make yourself look better. And you know your intentions, right? And and typically people can see through it and see your intention behind it because really what happens is if it's a brand grab, it happens as like a flash in the pan and then it disappears and it's they're on to the next wave. But uh, it honestly, it's kind of like the the Bible says, like, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Right. So it's this um, do good without always putting it on display. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so so what are some companies doing that they're getting no promotion for that benefits black owned businesses? Um, and and I've seen a lot uh, do that for coffee Black. Like send him free stuff, send him stuff, and not ask for promotion or publicity. Um, and you know, we know who those are. So there is toe in that line of like, you know, respecting your own business, taking care, using wisdom, but also doing what you can to benefit others. It's just trying to do that with authenticity. Um, that I think is where we should head as a coffee industry. I think. I think. There is so much good faith in the coffee industry, especially lately. It, the, it really mm-hmm. is a there's a breeding ground for good ethics and good faith in the coffee community. And I think any examples we see otherwise are the exception to the rule. I really, truly do. And maybe I'm a little naive by saying that, uh, again, because I'm so new to the industry. But the people that have come out that I have met organically – uh, through friends, through the wonderful thing, you know, the the gift and the curse of the internet, uh, it's always so far resulted in meeting people who want to do the right thing for the right reasons mm-hmm. and want to see not only, you know, benefits for themselves, because we all are doing this in some way for ourselves, whether it's, you know, uh, finding your purpose or providing for your family uh, mm. but the 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 next thing in line after self-preservation mm. is helping others it's yeah. not just sitting on a pile of money uh you know it's not greed it is uh love for your community well, and i yeah i think that that is 
remarkable. It's self-preservation. Then you're just taking the self-prefix away from it. It's just preservation. You're, you're preserving everything around you. You're right. You know, you're taking care of because that's what preserving is. You're taking care of things. So there's self-preservation. Yeah, for sure. And then you can just push the self to the side a little bit and preserve things. You can take care of everything else around yeah. you. Yeah. Using the same intentions and motives that you've had to take care of yourself. Like, I just want things to be better. Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, that's a, that's a really great sentiment. Um, I, I, Kenny, when you're setting, uh, or rather when you, um, are approaching a collaboration, when you're approaching, um, your next project or the next thing that you want to do for ethnos, it seems like you, you either have an internal dialogue or you have a collaborative dialogue that is, you know, what are our intentions and you know, what are, what are the goals of putting this out there? It seems like you're attaching value to the preliminary conversation before you're even pushing forward to attempt to create a product. Is that correct? Yeah. Most of our collaborations have a purpose behind them. Um, it's, you know, there needs to really needs to be some sort of message or, or mission behind it for me. Um, you know, I am going to have collaborations where it's like, you know, we partner with a brand and, um, you know, we create a product, but for the most part, I, I would say behind it, there's some sort of value that, that we see, um, like we're going to do this, uh, collaboration with a cigar company, it's black owned cigar company, you know, and so, um, you know, for me, that's a value. It, it's it's partnering with, you know, him and in his company and putting that on. So, um, yeah, there's there's a internal dialogue about does this bring value to them? Um, is this valuable to the community as a whole for coffee? Um, like, does coffee need this or at all? Or, you know, or are we just trying to put something out there for sales? That's that actually has not been the issue yet. Um, so, yeah, I, to answer your question, yes, there is that in dialogue. Good. Um, do you find that you're having that uh, more with yourself? when you're presented with people asking you to do things or do you find that you ask them the question as well? Uh, asking them, well, you know, what value is this bringing to you? What value do you think we're adding? Yeah, I think because of how we're built and how we're postured, we come across as a value-based company. Um, we, you know, if people want to go make money and have a large platform, they're going to hit up Onyx or they're going to hit up, you know, somebody who has a much further reach than we do. If they partner with us, they're most likely just, they rock with our values. Um, and, and so like, you know, even when, uh, and I appreciate Onyx, like they've done a collab with coffee black and with propaganda, you know, and from everything I hear, like they're super above board. They have great values behind the collaboration and stuff like that too. Um, so, you know, anybody who's partnering with us, that's what they're coming for. It's, it's a value proposition as opposed to like, well, Ethnos Coffee is drank by a lot of people don't know who we are. You know, a lot of people know who Coffee Black is, but they don't know who Ethnos is. And that's okay with me. Like we'll grow as we earn that spot. Yeah. Like, you know, Bart, he earned 
every bit. I've seen him work. We've been up at 4 a.m., you know, texting back and forth. And, and like, he's earned his spot, and we'll earn our spot as, you know, as it comes. So That's a really good mentality to have. Mm. That's really humble, man. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I often, even for our small little operation, I always feel like, should we be doing more? Should we be bigger? Should we be, you know what I mean? Should mm-hmm. we be uh, evolving faster? And very often Kevin has to pull me back and say, small baby steps. We're doing it right. We're doing it the, the you know, the humble way, the, gra- the gracious way. Mm-hmm. Um, let's put in the work. Let's, you know, be there where we need to be. Uh, where let us let let us show up where we're needed mm-hmm. and uh you know yeah he 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 definitely keeps me he pulls me down cuz i'm always like bro i'm i'm losing it <laughs> it's the one area of my life where i'm actually keeping someone else grounded most of the time <laughs> is other people telling me i need to calm yeah, down yeah yeah sometimes <laughs> uh that's what friends are for yeah uh burning question of mine kind of just taking us into another realm of this conversation How's Honeygold doing, man? Mm. I mean, how does that do it? Is that more of like a local Memphis thing that you see? Like a lot of popularity around there because people know the term? Like, because I didn't know what that meant until you told me, but now I'm super down and I'm grabbing a bag as soon as the podcast's over. Yep. Yeah. Uh, bro, people love it. It's a kind of lighter end of a medium roast um, mm-hmm. and just has like this good fruity honey taste to it with being a Costa Rican uh, honey processed and Bro, it's it's actually been my bestseller. Like I don't count Gucci Mane like in my sales at all. Like that's just a different category um, from an ethnos perspective. Uh, Honey Gold sells constantly for us. Kenny, let's let's do this real quick because I I love chatting about this. I love that we've gotten your story down. You know, we talked about your interactions with Bartholomew and like how how you know Gucci Man's kind of its own thing. And we've gotten a little bit into your product line. Why don't you break down like I've I don't think we've ever asked a roaster on this. Why don't you break down some of your product line for us and just chat about it for a second, yeah, man? Because cool. all of it sounds different. Actually, actually, yeah. Because I I, I want to insert here one burning question that I've had, and this kind of wraps right into it is the difference between. Uh, Guji main and this new Guji that you're releasing uh, in a little bit here. Um, yeah, wrap that into yeah, that. Yeah, I'm super yeah, just, stoked about just, that. Yeah, break down that product line, man, because it it sounds like you have a ton of variety. Yeah. So um, all the coffees that Coffee Black sells, uh, we roast, but uh, he sources and connects with different importers. And one of his big values is. Uh, just getting it from, you know, uh, black farmers and black coffee. Uh, and so he and, you know, we, we both kind of want our own thing for our own company. So I have my importers I go through. He has his. And uh, we connect to each other based on like, bro, I'm not going to get this coffee. You should carry it. Like that happens a lot. Yeah, so yeah. he has the Ethiopian Guji from the Garacho, uh, Garacho region. So... Um, the Guji I'm going to have is Hembella. Um, you know, he, he has flavor notes like, you know, um, you know, Sunday morning, grandma's apple pie type stuff, (laughs) you know, mine are like strawberry. Right. (laughs) Um, so this, this Ethiopian Guji I'm about to drop is like a nice red fruit. Um, I I say it's like a, a cherry, 
a vanilla and then you get like this passion fruit on the end you know with with that kind of acidic aftertaste um which is just that's like my kind of coffee is like give me raspberries cranberries or cherries you know with like a lighter body to it lighter body um uh just not overly acidic where it's like you know sour face but you know the acidity that just kind of fills the mouth up and gives you more of an experience with the coffee um so that's that's what we're going for on that ethiopian um we got this washed congo coffee um that tastes i mean it's legit like a a cup of apricots and brown sugar um it's some of the pr- most, like in a lot of coffees, there's like subtle hints that you're like guessing. Uh, the Congo, literally, there's no subtlety. It hits you in the face. Like it's like this is straight up apricots and brown sugar. Um, so that that's a, a big one we sell. Uh, the honey gold with the Costa Rican is really complex because you get raspberries um but you also get like this vanilla and and then like an a honey and an almond you know so you got all kinds of different flavors happening there um uh what else we we actually sell pretty good decaf uh from colombia um that's fruity and sugarcane processed so it's a good decaf Whoa! Wait, sugarcane process. Hold on. I get, I, yeah, yeah. I also get into the nitty gritty of that real quick, because most of the time you hear Swiss, Swiss water. water. Yeah. So the sugarcane is like these natural chemicals that they put in there, um, and that preserves some of the sweetness. It's uh, good for the bean in itself to decaffeinate it, um, so it preserves some of the natural sweetness to the coffee. Yeah. Is wow. it? Is it? Uh, you don't. I, I don't know if you know like the specifics of it, but is it in fact that the sugar cane or a chemical component thereof is actually pulling its bonding to the caffeine molecules and stripping it from the bean? Right. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. That's we, so cool. The the chemical processes involved in making coffee, I've I'm always like super astonished by, it, and I find like people who even aren't into coffee are also amazed by. It. Yeah, I, we've we've been doing a little bit of um, research into decaf yeah, or like half calf. We we would like to eventually pull together this sort of like half calf. Like it, it's hard because I mean the, the the we're on the hunt for a half calf blend for us. Yes, yes. And, and yeah, the challenge being, of course, that decaf coffees sometimes aren't as complex. You know, they lose a lot of that like luster from the decaffeination process. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and so you heard it here first. We're ripping off Kenny Baker's idea, and woo. we're going to put it in our half calf. That's, that's right. <laughs> well, that's not a no, rip I'm off. Just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, let's let's collab on like a half calf. That would be sick. That would be sick. Yeah. Um. So so you've got a really nice decaf. You got your honey gold. You got Ethiopian. Uh. You know. You got your other products with coffee black, and then um. You said that. And then our collaboration coffees. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a bunch of so. Uh, I also have a dark roast that's from Brazil. Um, it's a natural Brazilian, and we just take it dark, which uh, our dark is probably a lot of people's medium. You know, uh, we okay. go for like this cocoa, you know, in roasting, there's something, you know, there's first crack, which is where coffee becomes drinkable. And then uh, once first crack ends, then you have this like silent period 
for a couple of minutes, and then you start hearing Rice Krispie treats, and that second crack. Yep. And that's where a lot of people roast their coffee into that gives you that consistent coffee taste across, you know, that you get at Dunkin' or the... Coffee-flavored coffee. Mm, Yeah, coffee-flavored coffee. coffee. Uh, So our dark roast doesn't even get into second crack. Like, we pull it before that. Uh, So, but it's it's the best dark roast I've ever had. So, it's fantastic. All right. Dude. For our dark roast lovers, yeah, in the I almost said in, in the, the chat, I was in, in the, the chat like we're live streaming gaming. <laughs> you're gonna trick people into just commenting on this. Yeah, <laughs> you said you're a oh, bourbon yeah. guy. I actually, I I don't drink anymore, but Matt still does. What do you have a kind of bourbon that you prefer? I mean, prefer like if I could get it all the time, Blanton's. Mm, okay, that's a good one. But I can barely find that. So typically, I go with like Basil Hayden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The um, I prefer Scotch whiskey if I'm if I'm you know really picking yep. and choosing. But uh, I've I've had some Kentucky bourbons that are just fire. Yeah, uh, off the top of my head, I, I I couldn't give you a name, but. Um, I've, I, whenever it gets cold up here in New York, uh, mm. I will drink a lot more whiskey. So, yeah. and by a lot more, I mean like, I don't drink a lot, but like I will drink whiskey instead yeah. of beer, wine, whatever. Kenny, have you guys gotten, um, have you gotten Basil Hayden's dark rye down there? Have you tried that? I haven't tried it yet. Buddy, if you're a Basil Hayden fan, try their dark rye and try their two by two. Because those are like complex. Like you're talking about the complexity of uh, of your Costa Rican honey process, right? Yeah. It, it honestly, those are like in the bourbon world. I would say that that's a comparable complexity. Um, and I actually I found a lot of my previous knowledge of bourbon, whiskey, wine has transferred over into coffee in my ability to explain it. And usually when someone says honey process and they start talking about body and complexity, I'm like, cool, you're in my wheelhouse now. Let's, uh, let's talk some more about that. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. So let's wrap it up, man. I mean, I, I feel like we're going to have to have Kenny back on. Always, I, man. Yeah, always. Yeah. You're <laughs> always welcome back on the podcast, man. We, we're, we're, we're trying to double down on it this year too. We really, really, really want to continue to get uh, people like you on this podcast who have a yeah. lot to say, who have a lot, who, like a wonderful story. Um, so we're really stoked to have you. We have two more questions, right, Kev? Two more. Uh, you want to ask? Always, yeah. Uh, first off, what is in your mug? What are you drinking today? Man, I, I, I drank some Red Willow. Oh, you did? Yeah, Red Willow, Natural Guatemalan, Cherry Pecans. Mm. What what did you make that in? Kalita. Nice. We love the Kalita. Dude, the Kalita's oh, good. you posted a Kalita recipe on, on Instagram, didn't you? For, I think, maybe that exact coffee. And Kalita's one of my favorite brewers to brew in, but I left the Kalita at work. I was going to brew using that recipe. Was it, it was 25 grams in, 350 out? 390 out. 390 out. Mm-hmm. All so right. So it's like a 16 to 1. Ooh. Yep. Well, actually, it's like fifteen seven or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm usually I'm in that range too. I'm I'm somewhere between like fifteen and sixteen five to one, depending on the coffee. Yeah. So I just like, stole the recipe from George Howell, the OG and specialty coffee. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. All right. 
So he does 65 gram bloom for 30 seconds, mm -hmm. and then he pours for 15 seconds, 65 grams, and then lets it drain for 15, and then pours for 65. So it's like every other 15 seconds, you're adding 65 grams. Here's something fun and interesting that I've been noticing as I've been like varying my brew style and kind of getting more into home brew for myself, because like, honestly, like you go back out into the world and you go to other coffee shops and stuff. I think it's really great to have coffee the way that other people make it too, yeah. because it gives you a better gauge on what you might be looking for at home to ask them questions or maybe what you don't want to do. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes you find out you don't really like the way that some people make coffee and that happens. But ultimately... Um, tell me if you guys are experiencing this. I'm finding that I have a little bit of that scientific approach, like George Howell's recipe or like, you know, um, you know, like a, a, a championship recipe, but then depending on the coffee that I'm using for it, especially if I'm not using that specific coffee, I kind of find myself having what I like to call like the Italian grandma approach where like, I kind of intuitively know what I want my bloom to look like. So I'm like, I know that this said 65, but we're going 85 because I really want that nice bloom. And then I'm like, I know that this said to go like 100 grams, but I'm going to go like 120 grams or 80 sometimes. Yeah. Even, because like I can just see that it's interacting the way that I want it to. Do you have a have that or like? Actually, I have the I have kids approach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You have very little attention that you can get. Wasn't right? paying attention. <laughs> so you're you're like you're looking over you're looking at the kid over there. You're like, oh yeah, that's a great drawing. And then at the same time, you're like, oh crap, too much. Yeah, or or you're pouring. You're like, hey, get off that! <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch that. When I'm brewing like samples, uh, so we'll do like cupping, and then I'll brew some some samples. I have very limited quantity. And one time I was holding my daughter, and I had my wife doing the pour over. And it was a sample. It was the last 20 grams I had. And she was doing it. Uh, she was not pouring it like properly. It was just like just kind of throwing it. I was like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> no. And, and she goes, <laughs> she she called me the John Crease of pour over. She was like, you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I get that all the time. You know, Do I you get that. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Well, well, because I, I tr again, like, yeah, my, my wife doesn't really, you know, she, she's not super preferential with coffee. So, like, she's like, it's just coffee. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, if you don't put <laughs> enough in for the bloom, it doesn't, you know, it, then the CO2 doesn't come out. And she's like, but it's just, yeah. But I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you, Kev. I agree that I've, I've more often lately been doing sort of this, like, grandma Improv. italian grandma yeah. approach where you feel it yeah. you actually just did that I, for our brew here you well, you're well, like oops yeah. i forgot the scale oh well yeah and i you forgot just... the scale but the kalita's got the milliliters right mm, there yeah. right you know back so, to that metric system that metric um what did we have in our mugs matt today we were drinking this is actually a funny story uh we did a um you know how james hoffman has been doing for the last two years the world's largest cupping yes Okay, so we I signed us up for that, and I ordered, I don't know, like eight bags or, or eight sample kits or something, because I, I figured like it'd be me and you, maybe a couple of our, our friends wanted to engage too. So yeah. I got it. We never got the packages. Apparently, this happened to a lot of people. A lot of people, uh, stuff got lost in the mail, or I don't know, they weren't expecting the volume. Whatever happened- They got a lot of calls from New Jersey. J New Jersey <laughs> was on fire. <laughs> 
And so we uh, so we never got the bag. I I put in. They had like James put out a little form, or his people put out a form and said, "Hey, if you mm-hmm. if you didn't get the if you didn't get the package, let us know." And they sent us uh, a bag of their Rwandan coffee called Gitway, mm-hmm. uh, which is super duper good, by the way. It's mm-hmm. a washed Rwandan coffee, um, mango, apricot, and like some other citrus fruit. Uh, super duper good, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was nice because like it showed up out of nowhere. I was not expecting it. A little, you know, a little piece of paper that said like "We're so sorry." Like, take this, you know, as a sign of our appreciation. Blah blah blah. And honestly, James, if you're listening, I forgive you, man. Yeah. <laughs> the silence because everybody knows James isn't listening. No. <laughs> No, no, no. He's busy reviewing the newest trend in coffee and yeah. talking about what's good and what's bad about it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Do you watch any of James Hoffman's videos, Kenny? I do. I do. I just, I like his music and uh, his accent, like the way he talks. I'm just like, dang, that's, that's so dope. I wish I could talk over a beat and, you know. Sound like that? <laughs> yeah, sound like that. Just sounds so calm and collected and educational. He is the David Attenborough of coffee. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, all right, Kit. Last question. What is your jam? What's like a song or an artist or an album that you've been jamming lately, always, whatever? So, uh, <laughs> do you know who 3-6 Mafia is? Oh, of course I know who 3-6 Mafia is. <laughs> yeah. Are you from Memphis? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, um, I just took this trip to Atlanta with uh, four or five guys from a cigar shop. I had to pick up 500 pounds of coffee. Um, it was actually the the new Ethiopian we're dropping. And uh, the entire way there, it was like Project Pat, 3-6 Mafia, uh, local Memphis artists, like Play a Fly. So I grew up on, like, hardcore gangster Memphis rap. And, um, like that's, that's just my jam almost all the time. Um, but I can get down with some like Leon Bridges or, you know, something like that too. But I'm, I'm typically listening to music that I can't let my kids hear. (laughs) Well, yeah, three, six mafia for sure. Definitely. But like growing up with that, I mean, obviously like the Memphis rap scene was like, it was its own, like little world of hip-hop for probably a decade i mean it probably still is just not on the same like um there was kind of a microscope on the memphis rap scene for a little bit and i remember that growing up like i remember listening to three six mafia and project pat yes that's i still do but then i had this weird like i can listen to some blues guitar all day is that is there any particular uh, blues? I mean, you said Leon Bridges. Is there like a blues track that you've been really getting down to lately? Yeah. Um, so there's this uh, there's this band called uh, War and Peace, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me pull them up. They uh, it's it's like this duo, um, and they have some of the most. It's the War and Treaty. Uh, that's the artist, oh. the War Treaty. Love like there's no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, in fact, I did a coffee reel um, on Instagram with their song on there. I just like held it up to like the speaker and recorded it while I, you know, did it. 
Um, Instagram was like, we think you're violating a policy. I was like, I don't care. Yeah, I got that problem too. Oh, we, yo, you can't do it on the company account. On the, the company account? You can only account, do it on the personal one. Which is like, I, I got to figure out a better way to handle that. Because I mean, the, the, they give you some music mm -hmm. like some kind of like free i'm sure you've like looked but you want like anything and they they give you like here's some nobody you know who did this uh i, I don't know you this know instrumental we got to make our own beats you got to make our own beats Ooh. that's what's up and then you got to tie it somehow into the reel i gotta it all we can figure this out we can yeah, yeah. it's all about doing I'll it say coffee collective records don't start with me here. you heard it here first <laughs> The, fir the first track has to be a Jersey diss track, though. Oh, for sure. Dude, I'm <laughs> dissing Jersey so hard. Like, I, I've, I have never had a good thing come out of that place. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to throw it down. I'm like, honestly, it's the armpit in New York. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Uh, apologies to all my friends from New Jersey, but you were born there. And, you know, like that's just. <laughs> it's that's your bad. It all our future wholesale accounts in Jersey. We love y'all. <laughs> yeah, we love you so much. Yeah, someone's gonna find this and be like, be like, man, he really hates New Jersey. Yeah. For no, I'm honestly, dude. Okay, so like to really get into that though, that's how every state is in this area. You know how like you kind of have that whole like you bust on your neighbors kind of thing. Like, does Tennessee have a state that they bust on? Uh, Mississippi, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Alabama. Your all neighbors, of all of your neighbors. I knew you were gonna say Alabama. Everybody uh, yeah. busts on Alabama. We're good with Georgia. We're good with Georgia. They're cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in fact, when we were driving to Atlanta, uh, the guy in the car with me was like, hey, you know what's really great about Alabama? I was like, what? He goes, you can get to Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's awesome. That's super funny. Yeah, like we, we hate on – like I think all everybody up here, especially in the Northeast, will just bust on each other. Like yeah. Connecticut, Vermont. I was pointing at you because you're from Connecticut, not because I wanted you to talk about it. Oh, like you're busting on Connecticut. Yeah, we bust on Connecticut. Yeah, Connecticut's <laughs> Connecticut's Vermont. just full of dumb rich people. Like Connecticut mm -hmm. is like, it's 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 Jersey, but with rich like richer people. That's where you want your wholesale counts, buddy. Connecticut, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's yeah I thing? thought you had to wear an ascot to be from Connecticut. No, that's specifically Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like where I'm from. I didn't pick it, okay? No, you didn't. But you got to pick where you stay. That's and true. You picked the right place. Thank. Hey, shout out to shout upstate? out to Papa and Mama Fife for picking upstate for moving to upstate. Yeah, yeah. Wow. My jam this week is uh, Boney Vare's Twenty Two A Million record. Really? Yeah. Oh. I've, I'm finally giving it a little bit of light, a little bit, a little bit of air. You were just on the I'm out of the winter phase last week. You were like, I got to get into summer vibes. I got Drake singing tropical beats about tings. We're back in a, now. You're get back into Boney Bear. <laughs> uh, listen, we're always we're always listening to Drake talk about tings. Okay, okay? <laughs> but uh, if if I gotta be if I gotta have something different this week because I think we went three weeks when I was listening to Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah, for straight. sure, for sure. Uh, so this week, uh, there's a song off of Twenty Two A Million by mm -hmm. Boney Bear called Creeks. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just a uh, Oh, it's a massive masterpiece. And especially there's a live version that he did that's so good. You know I was going to ask if you were jamming the live version or the studio version. Both, but the yeah. l the studio version is missing something yeah. for sure. Because I'm a nerd, and I know these things. You do, <laughs> this yeah. Is just... I feel like Literature. if you're to Bon Iver, somebody needs to ask you how you're doing, though. 
a hundred percent. No, yeah, I got. I'm sad boy in my soul. I would say to which your response should be, "I'm sleepy." Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sleepy. I mean, I'm good. Uh, I like I like the sad music. Kevin will tell you, or Kevin will. Kevin has often said that like my music taste tells you that I'm constantly trying to seek inner peace. Yeah, you know. So I gotta sure. I gotta fi- like I listen to like lo-fi beats. I listen yep. to like you know like slow alternative uh, like indie calm. folk music. Just calm ambient. Yeah, I'm chilling. Yeah, I'm you. just trying to chill because I'm All a ball of stress. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. It's working. I mean, that's the way to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, being a ball of stress is not the way to be. No, 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 no. Seeking peace. Seeking yeah, peace. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. My jam this week. Shout out to Lin. Is it Linnea, right? Devin's sister? Linnea, Linnea, Seegers, Linnea yeah. Seegers? Yeah. Bath Robe Robots Yo. released Alt War this week, and I'm throwing it on the playlist. It was good, man. Yeah? Uh, yeah. I honestly, I did not expect that. Our friend has a sister who is writing music, and honestly, like, it gave me very, like, uh, like, um, Glass Animals, Fantagram type vibes. Like, a lot really? of really, yeah, really cool indie alternative like i was gonna come on here and be like yo lp wrote the soundtrack to the capone movie that tom hardy's in and i love it because i did listen to that a lot this week (laughs) but like alt war really was that's a dope track i highly recommend that people listen to that i i quickly i want to take the devin seegers shout out well (laughs) and and linnea right (laughs) Uh, Devin Seegers is a good friend of ours Both who of came up. He's the first guest we ever had on the podcast. He has been on three times our podcast three times. You you brought up early on. We asked you who are you, how are you, what do you do, and how are you? You said I'm surviving, uh, and it made me think of one thing that Devin Seegers taught us on the most recent episode that he was on, uh, which is this thing called meds. M e d s. He says you take your meds before you seek out meds, which is uh, it's an acronym for meditation, exercise, diet, sleep. You take, you put your meds first, and you got, and it's hard because we're grinding. We're we're mm-hmm. trying to make things happen for ourselves, for our family, yep. for our community. But you got to take care of yourself first, and the way you do that is with your meds. And what's the hardest one for people who are entrepreneurs? Sleep. Yep. Sleep all day. Yep. Yep. That S is so. We got hard. a newborn. Yeah. You have yeah. a newborn. We we have a new- yeah. Congrats! Congratulations! Yeah, three, she's now three months old, but oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. So sleep isn't even an option for you. You get it as broken as it comes, right? No, yeah, I don't. No sleep over here. No sleep. Damn. My my wife and I, to be frank, we're we're starting to talk about it. We're starting to talk about having kids. You talking about little fifers? Little fifers. Oh my god, little ginger fifers running around. Yeah, his wife has like gloriously red hair. By the way, her whole family does. It's beautiful. Yeah. Actually, only her brothers and she. Well, I mean, but that's what I mean. Like, it's yeah. an it, I mean, we don't have to get into it, but like her parents, actually, her whole family. You can't find a single person with red hair in her whole family. And then just. And then just the three fire. Paris children. Fire. Fire red. Yeah. Crimson, really. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're talking about having kids, and I already don't like do. I don't give. You know, I don't take care of my meds very well already. So yeah. it's a constant progression to be better and take better care of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It is. Hey, let let's end the podcast this way. Kenny, do you have any advice uh, for Matt when he wants to have kids and a business? <laughs> yeah. Um, man, uh, don't don't be afraid of it. You reorient your life around a child and you're better for it. So like people, 
people always talk about like, oh, we got to get ready. We got to get this in order and stuff like that. Man, when you're ready to have a baby, you will reorient your life. The baby's always a blessing. The baby is never a consequence, never an issue. Um, And it just brings uh, more purpose, more conviction to your life. Um, So honestly, I think it's made me better at business having kids because I can't quit. You know, so. Mm, Wow. Wow, I really appreciate that's that. That's a good take. It's a really great Yeah, insight. you just bolstered his confidence. I could feel it. Guys, yeah, I'm going to go make a baby. Kenny, thank you so much for coming on, man. Um, dude, it, where can we find you real quick? Last little bit. Yeah, Ethnos Coffee 901 on all social media stuff. And then ethnos.coffee is my website. Awesome. Sweet. Dude, thank you so much. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Hey, really appreciate it, y'all. Anytime. Can't wait to come to upstate New York. <laughs>